It has been a long week and a half. Uh, it has been a blessed week and a half. As we met there at the retreat, we had a lot of fun. I'm, I'm not going to say that we didn't have fun and that we didn't act silly and goofy. And I embarrassed my wife on more than one occasion because I didn't exactly act like a grown-up. But I don't have to because it made it, it made it fun for the kids. But in the midst of all the fun, we had moments where the presence of God came down amongst us. And that makes it worth it. The presence of God so that, so that we were weeping. The presence of God came down and saved souls while we were there. It was a wonderful time. And I am tired. Any of you ever feel like that? Any of you ever feel tired? I was working and thinking about uh, one particular passage that I wanted to come and talk about today that, that I kind of had on my mind. I wasn't specifically directed like New Bethel needs to hear this, but it's just something that the, that the Lord was working on with me. And, and maybe that'll come later. But as I was trying to work on it, I just kept thinking, I'm too tired. <laughs> and that's when the Lord spoke. Because we get, we get tired in, in doing the things that God directs us to do. And, and then in the midst of that, there were days that I thought, if this has to keep going for much longer, I am going to fall out. And then I would go to bed, not sleep very long, and get up with renewed energy. Because that's how the Lord works when we're about his business. When we're doing the work that he has for us to do, he will supernaturally infuse us with the strength to go on. But there are times when that doesn't happen and we're just tired. So I want us to turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11. This is a familiar, a familiar passage that I'm going to read. And there's a particular application that is familiar, and I would be remiss if I didn't go there. But also, I think we, we may hear something new for us in that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And the few verses there, Jesus is speaking and he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now we hear that blessed promise of Scripture time and time again. Most of us have heard that since we were young. In fact, many of us have sung the song, Come Unto Me, that is basically a, a song written to, to that verse of Scripture. And we hear it most often spoken in relation to an invitation to sinners to come. And certainly that is true because Jesus is reaching out to those that are tired. Those that are weary of trying to justify themselves. 
whether they know it or not. See, so you may, you may be here this morning or someone may be listening later and you don't even realize that you're wearing yourself out. But we have those among us, or, or maybe not among our ranks, but, but we have those that call themselves churches of the Lord Jesus who teach doctrines that lead people to wear themselves out trying to self-justify. And people become weary being heavy laden with a burden that they cannot carry. That of trying to be good enough. That of trying to be compassionate enough. There are two sides of the coin. There are those who will try to earn the grace of God through their compassion and mercy that they show to others. If I do enough good deeds, then certainly God will smile down on me. And offer me grace in return. And then there are those who will say, well, if I will keep the commandments, if I will hold to this moral standard, if I will just hold to the list of don'ts, don't do this, don't do this. And by my good behavior, certainly I will earn my place within God's favor. Doing such is so burdensome. It's such a heavy load to bear because at what point have I done enough good deeds? Can I rest yet or do I need to do one more? What about now? Can I rest now? Oh, it's a new day. I need to find something else. Or to live in the state of perpetual... Well, I'll tell you this about Norami. I pulled a prank on, on one of the guys in the, in the dorm. He was an adult. I don't pick on the kids. But one of the dorm parents, I, I pulled a prank on him. He was in the shower. And I very silently went in and just grabbed his soap off the thing and moved it. And I didn't mean to scare him. I was just, he just wasn't going to be able to reach his soap. He was going to have to go looking for it. But what he saw was he saw just a hand. He just saw this hand come over the wall and grabbed his soap, and he couldn't hear me or anything. And it totally messed with his head. And because I never responded, I mean, I, I just, I was sitting there about to fall out laughing because he was trying to talk to me and get someone to answer. But no one said anything. He didn't know who I was or where I was or what I was going to do next. It was awesome. <laughs> I texted him last night, and I didn't get to say bye to him after the program. I said, sorry I didn't get to see you. I hope you're able to shower in peace. Uh, but the point is, have you all ever had that kind of situation? Not necessarily in shower, just anything where, you, where you're not sure what's next and you're on edge. Perhaps you've been in the hospital with a loved one waiting on word from a surgery. Or, or perhaps you're in the hospital waiting on the birth of a child or you're waiting on test results from, from your own procedure Do any, have you had those experiences where you're just on edge because you don't know what's next it's exhausting isn't it if you have to live that way for very long it will wear you down 
And that's how those who are trying hard not to fall into sin must feel. Having to always keep their guard out that, that I better not do this. I better keep to this. And I'm not even sure what this rule means. So I better just do anything I can not to break it. They live their entire lives on edge, fearful, fearful that they will not measure up and, and therefore fall short of the glory of God. And it is a heavy burden to bear. But scripture makes it clear that all of us fall short of the glory of God. And that's why Jesus says to the sinners, come unto me, you that labor, you that labor to do good deeds that, that aren't necessarily directed of you. Your intentions are wrong. Come unto me, you that labor to keep a law that you can't keep. You that labor and are heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And there are those who may hear that perhaps they don't even realize that they're trying to self-justify. Because they say, well, I, I'm an atheist. I don't even, even believe God is real. But they too are wearing themselves out trying to carry a burden that they can't carry. Because scripture itself tells us in the first chapter of Romans, it says that the things of God are manifest in the world such that for those who refuse to see, there is no excuse. So those that insist there is no God, that is their own act of, of self-justification. And they're trying to convince themselves of, of something that in their heart of hearts they know to be false. So they're living a perpetual lie in order to feel better about themselves because they know that they can't keep the law of God. Because none of us can. And Jesus is calling out to them too. Come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. As opposed to the burden that you're, bear, that you're trying to bear, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You don't have to go look for good deeds to do. Just follow me. You don't have to any longer try to keep a stringent set of laws that can be com complex, complicated, and convoluted. Just follow me. You don't have to use your mind to reason out why God does or does not exist. Because I will come live in your heart. And you will know, just follow me. He makes it so easy. And we continue to make it difficult. So if you're here this morning, or if you're listening later and you're in one of those boats where you're a skeptic but the skepticism is becoming wearisome or perhaps perhaps you love the Lord perhaps you love the idea of the Lord but you've never come to meet the Lord because you feel as though 
you're not good enough. You, you have to meet a certain criteria. You have to live a certain way. Or perhaps you're trying to earn his, your way into his favor. And you're becoming tired. <coughs> Hear the words of Jesus said, that say, Come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's not a person here that can help you with that. It is our tendency to self-justify. We see that from the beginning. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And what is the first thing they did when God came to visit with them? Because God wanted fellowship. He still wants fellowship with us. But after they had sinned, what did they do? They hid from him. They tried to justify themselves by hiding from God. And God still sought them out. And when they came forward and confessed what they had done, albeit reluctantly, God did the same thing He does for us today. He made for them skins. He made for them clothes of skins. He clothed them. Their sin had had broken their their restraint and their self-control. And so they hid from God and they tried to justify themselves. And he said, you can't justify yourself. But you confess and I will clothe you once again. When we come unto the Lord... And we confess our inadequacy. And we plead for mercy and for rest. The Lord still offers us clothes. But now he clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. Oh, how, what a beautiful picture that is. But we have seen that from the beginning. So I encourage you today, if you're hearing this in, in any means or method and you feel weary then come to Jesus. I can't tell you how to do that. But He will. There are those who want to say that there is a certain system, a certain posture for prayer, a place you must pray, words you must pray, a time of day you must pray. Songs you must sing before you pray. They come up with all kinds of things But that's just an extension of this burden that they can't bear. You put rules or guidelines or procedures on something that has no rules or guidelines or procedures. Because just like God came to Adam and Eve in the garden where they were. When the Holy Spirit of God comes to draw one's heart. He comes to them where they are. And it matters not if you're sitting in a pew, if you're sitting in a car. You can be sitting in a bathroom. But he will come when you are weary. He will come when you are beaten down. When you feel you can go no farther. And says, come to me. I'll give you rest. When you feel that drawing, when you feel that nudge, when you hear that voice saying, come unto me, simply answer. 
however he tells you to do so. If it's to get on your face on the floor to pray, then so be it. If it's to go walk around in the woods, go walk around in the woods. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a church service. If the Lord tells you to leave the service and go walk around in the woods, go walk in the woods. You just follow the Lord. You come unto Him. So that's the general application that we always hear. But do you know that sometimes those of us who are saved, we get weary also. We get tired too. And I want to posit to you today that to us also, Jesus still says, come unto me, you that are you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The promise is not just to those who are far off, but it's for those of us too. Because we find ourselves wonderfully and miraculously saved by the grace of God, and then yet somehow we still fall victim to the human condition, this flesh that we're in, and we fall to the trap of feeling like still we need to self-justify. We do have other churches others that call themselves churches, where we have brothers and sisters in the Lord, those who have truly been saved, but they've been taught erroneous doctrines. So even though they've been saved, they are no longer living in liberty, or if they were ever living in the liberty that God gives. I was raised in one of those. I was raised in a church where I was taught that the Holy Spirit draws someone with convicting power and that the sinner goes to repent and is saved by God's grace. But then after that, there was a code of conduct you had to live by because if you didn't, if you sinned, if you fell away, then you lost your salvation. Now tell me how that is any different from a works righteousness. Tell me how that is any different from a sinner feeling like he or she needs to justify himself or herself before God. It is still the same thing. It sets grace at naught. And it limits the power of God. So God can only save until sin besets? But they're taught this. And so they live day after day laboring under a burden they can't carry. We have brothers and sisters all over the country, all over the world, laboring under burdens they can't carry, either because they are taught false doctrine or because they're taught, and I guess this is a false doctrine too, it's it's the same thing. They're either taught that they have to follow a set of guidelines Or that they must do the good deeds that Jesus did. And that one sounds really good. To to itching ears, that one sounds really good. You know, a few years ago it was a big movement with the the bracelets and uh, the pencils and all of the branding WWJD. What would Jesus do? And the idea was that people who claim to follow Jesus, that would be our mantra. At those times in our lives when we're not, not sure which way to turn or what to do, we would ask ourselves, well, what would Jesus do? And we'll do that. 
Or then there was an offshoot of that, DWJD. Do what Jesus did. And then they would take that quite literally. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would go to another country to, to preach to people. Or Jesus would do, drop whatever other priorities he had to, to heal this person or to treat this person. You know, we can't all heal, but we see the example Jesus had because with the ten lepers, he was on his way somewhere and they cried out and he stopped what he was doing and went to see them. Do what Jesus did. That's a surface examination, but that's what we were taught to do, right? But we forget that Jesus did what he had in his power to do. Jesus could heal. But Jesus was also human, and in his humanity, he couldn't travel halfway across the globe he could have later. I'm not trying to limit him. I'm just saying in his humanity, he couldn't, he couldn't walk halfway across the globe. I mean, it was a three-day trip to get most of the places he went. Jesus did what he had within his power and his capacity to do. And yet we try to stretch ourselves sometimes beyond what we have the power and the capacity to do in order to do what Jesus did. And beyond that, Jesus didn't tell us, go do what I did. He said, follow me. And yet, we've got an entire generation almost that has been taught that that's the Christian life, is to do what Jesus did. So they're laboring to earn a reward. And surely they must be becoming tired. Because in either camp, both for the unsaved and also for those among us who are saved and are trying to labor on either camp, either to keep to a stringent set of laws that they can't keep or to do enough good deeds to please the Lord, both become weary and tired. Because they're trying to do the impossible. And they're missing the opportunity that God gives us to live in liberty. That's the gift. Is that we are at liberty. We are free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Is what Jesus said. When you know me and you follow me and you do what I, not what I do, but what I tell you to do. You will be free. You don't have to live to a certain set of external laws. You don't have to achieve a set number of external deeds. You simply have to listen to the internal voice and you're free. Why do we refuse sometimes as God's people to live in the liberty that he gives us? We were slaves to sin. We had no choice. We served a vicious taskmaster. But then the Lord came in. 
He's called a redeemer for a reason. He bought us out of slavery at the price of his precious blood. So that we could make ourselves indentured servants to another another practice, another standard? No, so that we could be free. So he still, he tells even his people, Come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, not the one you create for yourself. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. These, these things we fashion for ourselves, they're impossible to maintain. It's completely unsustainable. So perhaps you're here this morning or, and you're listening somewhere and you have in, in your mind a mindset that yes, you're a child of God, so you're held to this and you must keep this standard or you must be doing a work for the Lord or else you're being disobedient. So if you've received no direction, you go and create a work for the Lord. You get ensconced in holy activity. For the activity's sake. You're heavy burdened. My brother or my sister. And over time you're going to become tired. I encourage you. Come to Jesus. And let him give you rest. Let him remind you of the liberty that he has provided. And live in that. But beyond that, yes, it, it impacts us as same people. But do you realize that sometimes churches can fall into the same trap? Churches can be guilty of taking on a yoke that is not theirs to take on. Churches fail to live in the liberty because, and I don't know perhaps, and I don't know all the circumstances around here, I'm just thinking in, in, the, in the macro sense of things, you may have a, a church that is in an area where, I don't even know how to say it to be honest, I, I just, you know there are some churches that are overly legalistic. The culture of that body has, has become so prevalently over legalistic that there's no liberty within the body. The members of the body cannot be compassionate with one another, cannot help one another in their times of need and in their time of weakness. A brother cannot go to another brother and say, pray for me, brother, I'm struggling with this in my life. Out of fear that the legalism in the church will put that brother in shame. And a church like that is carrying the same heavy yoke that isn't theirs to bear. Or perhaps we have churches that truthfully 
well intentionally in their zeal are seeking out ways to do wonderful things for the kingdom of Christ. So they seek out activity. They seek out programs that they can do. And in and of themselves, they are not bad things. They're good things. Maybe they serve the people in the community. Maybe they help to strengthen the church. Maybe they help to tighten the, and, and build the relationships within the body. But if the intention behind it is to do good things for the Lord, did the Lord direct it? Now that one's a fine line, and that's something that I can't answer for anyone. Any individual has to answer for their own intentions, but they can pray about it, and the Lord can give discernment. And the same thing for a church. Now's the time of year for vacation Bible school. There are some congregations who have a vibrant VBS that still reaches out and pulls children in the community or pulls children from the community in. And maybe you never see them again except for that one time a year, but you've had a chance to tell them about Jesus. And it's vibrant and it's spiritual. And then there are some churches who do a VBS and the same four kids come every year. And yet that church feels like it must do VBS. Must it? I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm not saying that the lack of growth or the lack of results is indicative that you must stop. That's what, that's what the megachurches do. If the metrics don't measure up, if it doesn't yield results, if there's not an ROI, then you drop it. Well, we're talking about the kingdom of God, and the ROI is not measurable in numbers or dollars or anything else. But at the same time, do we find ourselves doing things just because we've always done them? Even good spiritual things. If we do a VBS year after year because the Lord burdens the church year after year after year, to do a VBS for that same four kids, we don't know their background. That maybe that four kids, that's the only time they get a chance to learn doctrine through the year. We don't know that. God will do that for four, for four kids. God will do that for one child. That's true. That's true. And so if the Lord is directing it, you be obedient to that, even if there is never an ROI, because there's only that one child. Because the ROI, the return on investment is ROI, in case anyone's not sure what I'm talking about. The return on the investment, maybe 40 years down the road... Or 30 years down the road. I went to a lot of VBSs. And you know, a lot of men get called to preach when they're young. I was, I was 36. 36. So I'm, you've got an 8-year-old in VBS. It may be, uh, what's the difference there? 28 years. No one wants to wait 28 years for a return on an investment. But it's worse than the kingdom of heaven. So I, I want everyone to understand, I'm not talking about looking at the metrics and examining what you're doing. I'm saying examine your motivations. Because then perhaps you have a church that has a wildly successful VBS. They're drawing children in from the community by the droves. 
because they're offering lots of fun. Lots of activities, bouncy houses, things like that, and not a whole lot of doctrine. Not a whole lot of gospel. But they look at the ROI and it looks really good. But when they get their summary sheet, you know, if you want to keep it in earthly terms, when they get their heavenly summary sheet, there's no reward. There's no return. It will burn. But for churches that look at these things that we must do, we must do this, we must do that. We've always done it this way. Well, why have you always done it that way? Is it because the Lord directed it that way? Is the Lord directing it that way now? When the Lord stops directing something and we continue on that path because that's the way we've always done it. Or we start a new path because it works in some other church models. Or even it worked among our own churches in their context. It must have been a good idea. That church has its own context, its own community, its own culture. When we start grasping at ideas so that we can do something because we feel that we're a church of the Lord Jesus, we must do something. You're taking on a yoke that's not yours to take. Because Jesus didn't say, church, go do something. He said, go in my name. And go in my name means under my authority when I give the authority. Doing what I would have you to do. It's a matter of intentions. And I don't really know how to clearly spell that out. I just know that I could look around and, and the churches that I've had an opportunity to go uh, preach in. The churches I've had an opportunity to visit. The brothers and sisters that I've had an opportunity to talk with. Some of the kids. Some of the kids last week that were discouraged with the ways things are going in their churches. As young children, they're discouraged. Because they're tired. I'm tired from Dory B. I'm weary. My body is weary. But it was weary after the first day. But the Lord allows me to be there. The Lord sends me there. The Lord makes ways for me to be there even when I think maybe he wouldn't. He did this year. And the Lord gives me the strength to sustain me. Not past, just past that first day, but past every other day. And after we left there last night... We went to a revival service in Eden's Chapel. We wound up getting home about midnight. And the Lord has given strength for us to be here today. Because we're doing our best to follow the Lord. And that's not to lift us up or to vaunt us up. That's God giving us grace. <coughs> but are you tired? And what kind of tired is it? It's kind of like... Um, most of you heard, a lot of you have heard this from, from your fathers, but my dad used to say, if you're tired, you've done the job well. It was a good thing to be tired. That meant you worked hard. 
That's the kind of tired I feel right now. But are you weary from a burden that's not yours to carry? Unsaved person that may be listening, are you weary of trying to justify yourself when there is no justification to be found? The only justification to be found is that that will be offered by Jesus Christ in your place. Come to me, all ye that labor and are weary and are heavy laden. I will give you rest, he says. But saved person, are you weary of trying to keep to a standard, trying to maintain your salvation, or trying to earn crowns? Sounds ridiculous when you say that, but that's really what it amounts to with, with the undirected holy activity. Yeah. Trying to earn stars in the crown. Are you weary? Come to Jesus. He says, come to me. I will give you rest. Live in the liberty that I have provided. In church, I don't know New Bethel, so this may not be directed, or, or y'all may be thinking maybe it strikes a chord. But there are churches around who are weary. Are you tired, church? Are you discouraged? <clears throat> Jesus says, come to me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, not the one you fashioned for yourself, but take my yoke, the one I give. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The one you're trying to carry is not light. And here's the beauty of all that. Do you know why the yoke is easy and why the burden is light? Because he hands it to us and then carries it for us. <coughs> His yoke is easy and his burden is light because it's his. He's the only one that can carry them. And he's carrying them. He's right with us. See, when we go our own way and try to find holy activity and try to do what Jesus did instead of doing what Jesus is doing. Oh, I just now thought of that. What would Jesus do or do what Jesus did? Those are past tense. How about we do what Jesus is doing? In the present, because it changes. Doing what has always worked or what we did 30 years ago, we've just always done it that way. That no longer cuts it because 30 years have passed. Maybe he's doing something different. But in any case, we do what Jesus is doing. He's carrying the yoke. He's carrying the burden. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because he's got it. And just like I said for an unsaved person, I can't tell someone how to do that. And I can't tell I can't tell a saved person how to come to Jesus when they're weary. I can't tell a church how to come to Jesus when they're weary. All I can say is, he says, come. The invitation is open, not just to the lost, 
but to all of us every day when we find ourselves just slightly askew, slightly astray, working toward the wrong end, maybe even with the right intention, but to the wrong end. He says, come to me. I will give you rest. We find that rest. We find the liberty wherewith he has set us free. Now, if uh, we want to have a song, or I, I don't know what your normal pattern is, but that's all I have, brother. And I, I pray that this has been a blessing, that maybe it spoke to someone.